Welcome to the For the Love podcast with me, Jen Hatmaker. Today, we are continuing on in our For the Love of Transition series and talking about the transitions from judging our bodies and feeling shame to loving them just as they are. Talk about a transition. We will take a look at the steps each of us can take to love the image we see in the mirror with the help of author Jess Conley. Hey, everybody. It's Jen Hatmaker. Welcome to the For the Love podcast. Woo, I'm glad you're here today. Right now, we're in a series called For the Love of Transitions, and it has been really powerful. We've been talking to guests who are in some way transitioning from one thing to another. Some of these transitions are chosen. People are choosing a new perspective. They're choosing a new space in their life. They're choosing a new stage. And some of these transitions have been handed to our guests. Life said something now is never going to be the same. But one way or another, we are talking about how to manage that. That's going to happen to every one of us. If it hasn't happened to you already, just live longer, right? You will experience transitions in your life. And so today's topic is no exception to how important these have been. So I know for sure that I'm not the only woman who looks in the mirror and instead of acknowledging and appreciating my body for being such a good partner in this life, for carrying me every single second that I have been alive, I choose instead to start picking apart the way that I look bit by bit, head to toe, just this full scan of everything that's wrong, right? Why this doesn't fit some impossible standard that I have even given myself. Forget what the rest of the world has to say about it, right? We try so much to show grace to other people and we're kind to other people about their bodies. But for some reason, when it comes to this, we can't show it to ourselves. You know, there was a recent study done that showed that 98 percent of women struggle with their body image. 98, 98. (laughs) I mean, when did that struggle start? Right? 13, 11, five. I mean, that is incredibly telling that women are that mean to our own selves. I think we know that this comes from a myriad of places. We really and truly get it from the beauty industry. They are selling an image. They are selling products. They are selling young and thin, right? We get it from social media. We get it from the own mean drumbeat of our own thoughts that this is what beauty looks like. This is what my body should look like because I see this person look like that. Or there's a product telling me that there's something so deeply offensive about my crow's feet on my eyes that if I will just plunk down $35, I can just get rid of those, right? The thing is, those are not neutral messages. We get those so often that I don't even think the majority of us realize that we are. It's the air that we breathe literally everywhere all the time. And so that is so consumed. I'm not even sure we're aware of how much that has formed our thoughts, formed our perceptions, formed this sense of body hatred that apparently almost every single woman walks around with. So what do we do? I don't want to live like that. I have been working really hard on this. If if you've kind of been around my leadership for the last few years, you know that I, I talk about my body in a new way than I ever have. My first teacher in this really was Dr. Hillary McBride, who, you know, taught me to call my body a she or a her and to talk to her in a different way. And that began a process for me of reevaluating how it is I think about my body, talk about my body, treat my body, partner with my body. It's been pretty revolutionary for me learning to love this body as a partner because I want this for you too. I really do. I, gosh, I want it for my daughters. I would love to see us break the stranglehold here. And I think that we can, to be honest with you, I, we are not doomed to be a victim to this disordered thinking. We really aren't. We are powerful change agents inside this conversation. And so you're going to see this today in today's episode, because I am bringing you my friend, Jess Conley. 
I don't know if you follow Jess, but you should. She's a best-selling author. She's a speaker. She's a Bible teacher. She's written multiple books, including You Are the Girl for the Job. I always loved that title. I told her how much I loved that title. Wild and Free. And then her newest book that we're talking about today is called Breaking Free from Body Shame. Her work is rooted in faith and her understanding of what God ever said about our bodies. What does he think about them? How did he make our bodies and why and what for? His pleasure in creation, including these bodies of ours, how he created desire inside of us and that every bit of us from head to toe was always and only good, good, good. Me, you, everyone, good, 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 and only, only good. Jess teaches women that the heart and our intentions and the goodness that we have to give to this world is just the most important thing. And our bodies are the gift that we get to use to live like that, to live in full freedom, right? It's a really powerful message. It is, you're going to hear language today. I think that may be new to you. You may be like, I don't hear women talk about other women like that. I don't hear women talk about bodies like that. I think there'll be several moments in the conversation today that you kind of get stopped in your tracks and go, huh, hmm, never said that before, never heard that before, never thought of that before. You're going to love it. You're going to love Jess. She is so delightful, so dear, so genuine. Being sincere and genuine is in my top three of important qualities. And so she is who she is all the time. And that matters to me. And she's really offering us some beautiful leadership right now. So I am absolutely pleased to share my conversation with the beautiful inside and out Jess Connolly. Well, everybody, I am just absolutely delighted to welcome my friend, Jess Connolly, to the show. Hello, and I'm just so glad to be looking at your face. I love your face. I miss you. It's so good to see you. I'm so happy that you're here. And I was just telling you before we started how I have several adjectives, but like relieved and glad and proud I am of you for wading into this conversation in the way that you have, and we're going to get to it, but I just, you know, I want my community also to hear me acknowledge that you have, you've tackled something that is, it's huge. There's not a woman I know who is not affected by this conversation. And so we're going to get to it, Jess, but real quick, before we get there, I've told my crew, you know, a little bit about you and your credentials and, but would you mind just for a moment, I'm kind of high leveling for us, who you are, who your people are, where you are, what you do. Well, I live in Charleston, South Carolina, which does frame a good bit of this conversation because I live in a beach town. And so that's pertinent to what we'll be talking about. But primarily I lead a local church here in Charleston and that's fun and wild and crazy. And when I, I I know in the past few years, I've texted you on hard days and been like, Jen, this is, this is a lot. (laughs) That's right. Church planner to church planner. I'm in the weeds. Yeah. This is difficult, but it's also beautiful. And it's, we get to see the hardest things and, and see the most beautiful things. So we do that. My husband and I lead Bright City Church here in Charleston, South Carolina. I have four really wild, weird kids who are just great and a lot and awesome. And I write books and I teach the Bible and I I teach about whatever God asked me to teach on. And I also coach women. I've never done any sports. So I, I say that this isn't like a sports coaching situation. I don't hit balls with things, but just encouraging women to take the next step in their God-given calling and their mission and using their gifts. And so, yeah. And, and I like coffee and I like dancing and I like sunshine. Yeah. Oh, same. Yeah, absolute same. You do all those things and you do them beautifully and you've done them with a lot of faithfulness and commitment and obedience. And I've watched you do it for years and it's wonderful. And I can't imagine that spending that much time kind of serving and ministering to women has not brought you at least in some part to where you are today and to what, to this, to your latest book, to everything that we're going to talk about today, because at this point, like right this moment, you are, you are guiding and you are helping so many women 
learn to love their bodies. I mean, if I've ever said a more loaded sentence, I don't know. I just don't know. And to love who is inside of that body. I wonder if you can just start here. Can you talk first about your own story, your own journey and experience toward making peace with your body, who is the whole of you? What was, what was your experience like? Yeah. Well, my earliest memory, the farthest back I can track, my earliest memory is feeling shame in my body. Like the very earliest thing I could remember is I remember being a young girl and running my hand down the side of my body and, and knowing it was somehow intrinsically, I knew like it was too much messy, not good. And I don't, my first memory is actually not someone telling me that. I don't remember the first place I received that message. I just felt other. And of course, the really damaging things did come, which, which we all just hold so many of those memories, the things we heard other people say about our bodies or about their bodies and how that impacted us and the things we saw in the media. All of those things were unfortunately very normal for me as well. Growing up, I had all of those moments. And then I met Jesus when I was 15 and I did this wild and crazy thing where I looked at God and was like, I think I, I think I want to do things with you. Like, I think I like you. I think you might like me. And that, you know, just began to change my frame of reference, but I still felt this brokenness about my body and my body, this otherness about my body and my body. And then what's worse is that I would say, as I learned more about God, and as I learned more about the people who loved God, I didn't see any solution or hope or healing about my body. I'm, I maybe heard even more discouraging messages regarding my body or like the silence was deafening or maybe this understanding of like, if you just think more about God, if you just think less about your body, everything will be okay. Or, you know, so then those things just got very messy and confusing for me. And, and truly like I went back and forth for most of my twenties through just different patterns of disordered eating or disordered behavior and feeling just incredibly broken and confused about the goodness, the state, the value, the worth of my body. And something happened in my like late twenties, early thirties. Um, I just had my fourth kid. I was a year out from having my fourth baby. And I literally have very little memory of this whatsoever, but I, I apparently wrote an email in the middle of an, of the night to a woman I followed online and her name was Elisa Keaton. And she does essentially body image coaching and teaches God's word about the Bible. And I wrote an email to her in the middle of the night and just basically said like, I'm desperate. I need help. And what I wanted was my body to be better. I wanted her to like make my body better. And that really was just like the gauntlet thrown of once I started asking questions and started like really looking at what like God says about our bodies. I couldn't then stop looking. I couldn't stop paying attention. And I saw it was so countercultural to everything I'd heard, even inside the faith community. So I essentially like was faced with this head knowledge over a period of a few years of like, I think he made my body good. He made everybody else's body good. And I think I either have the opportunity to believe that and live like that or not. And I've found that it's really beautiful and fun to just live like it's true. And it's very freeing. I, I tell, I told somebody the other day, I said, you know, I've written this book because I've actually experienced freedom from body shame. So I have to say that I, I've actually experienced freedom from body shame. I still feel tempted sometimes to dip my toe back into a not free place. I still feel tempted to, to try to like fit cultural expectations and norms, but for the most part, I feel freedom. I feel it. I perceive it. I, I feel like I live in it. And I said, the best way I can describe it, this is so un, I don't know, like serious. So just okay. get, like go with it, That's but I, it works here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I found out I never have to do homework again. Like, I feel like I'm like, I've, Oh, there, there's no test coming. There's no homework coming. This is it. Oh, I have a million questions. I'm thinking about the person listening. Maybe that person is me. I'm not going to say, I'm just saying perhaps if I were a stand-in for a person listening, who's still buying what the world's selling, you know, and it's selling it hard, which, you know, I mean, 
man, like the, the beauty industry, the social media standards. I know so much ink has been spilled on this, but the, the truth is it's true. We are the narrative aimed at women. I mean, I'm thinking about your story, Jess, how you said you can't even remember what the first message was to tell you weren't, you weren't enough, but I'm, you picked it up. You picked it up because you were supposed to, it was aimed at you. So it was message received you so much. So it's just the air we breathe. Like you can't even point a finger necessarily to its origin. Practically, can you talk about some of the early work early when you were, your head was hearing a thing, it was all in conflict. How did you start to move from here to freedom? Yeah. Practically. It's the best question. It's so important. And it, the great news is I do think there are some really early basic steps that we can take that change everything. Right. So for me, the biggest one was my mouth. I decided I can't control media. I can't control everybody else. I can't control what anyone else says. I think later on there's opportunities for us to go back and get healing from the past and work on what we're going to consent to in the future. But the first place that I could start that I had complete control over was my mouth. What do I say about my body? And so I made a decision early on where I said, as much as I can control it, not a single negative word is going to pass my lips regarding my body. I'm not going to do that thing where I look at pictures after we take a group picture, not going to do that. I'm not going to say like, do I like this one? I don't like that one. I like them all. I like all the pictures. I'm not going to say like, I'm not, I'm just not going to use a single word that isn't positive to talk about my body. And what happened is putting those words in my mouth, number one, then maybe begin to hear what was I was saying in my head. So like the silence of my mouth that I all of a sudden, because that's the, that's the problem is that we just think it all the time too. And so the silence of my mouth then made me able to hear my thoughts a little bit. And so then I was able to say like, okay, where did that, where did that thought just come from? Is that true? Now do I want to actually, right. Use neuroplasticity to change my thought about this instead of it just being an automatic neutral, like, yes, that'll come out of my mouth. No, wait, hold on. It's not going to come out of my mouth. Hold on. I don't even want to really think it in my head. Where did it come from? Is it true? Then that started to eke its way into my conversations with other women. Then all of a sudden I was hearing, you know, just at the cellular level in my relationships, how other people were talking about their bodies and what other people were saying about their bodies. So then I had to develop some kind of rhythms of what I wanted to say out of my mouth when someone else was talking negatively about their body. One of my favorite phrases that I like to hand my friends is, hey, don't talk about my friend like that. Hey, don't talk about my friend like that. Hey, like, and not like correcting people and not saying like, Hey, you're, you're being a part of the objectification of women, but saying like, I I love my friend. I love her legs. Please don't talk about her legs like that. I love her face. And then, you know, as soon as you get a girlfriend, like as soon as you get a pal and a rally gal, who's like, we're in this together, then culture starts to change just in your own community and in your own space. But that, that was the big one for me. That was the game changer. Not a single negative word is going to come out of my mouth about my body. Mm, That is powerful. It just even engaging that practice, it could be revolutionary. I think the thoughts that we have on the daily multiple times daily that are ugly about our own bodies would probably shock us if we started taking note, you know, if we started cataloging like, Whoa, that is so mean. It is so mean. I'm curious if you developed any strategies or approach, a new approach or a different approach to the intake of the beauty industry that we see, be it, you know, the products and the commercials and the body types that are generally put in front of us. And additionally, even just what we see amongst friends and peers on social media or whoever we follow, but between those two huge pillars of a body story, how did you approach those? Cause it's, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's the question to ask. And it's interesting. I feel like you, I feel like you get this, you and I, we know people who are experts at things. And I decided really early on, I can't be the expert at this. Like 
I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to say honest things about what's true. I'm going to try to write a book that's, that's not triggering or harmful, but just honestly, like a, a soft space to land. There are other people who, who are genuinely experts at this. I'm going to try to point to them, but as a human woman, like I had to have like, okay, what's the, what's what are the things I can do? How can I respond to this world? So I propose to my friends, a detox and not one wherein you can't eat carbs because I don't, that's not what we're talking about. No, we like them. We like God them. Made them. I think they're good. Yeah. I yeah. like them. Yeah. Um, but for me, it looked like a detox of number one, what I see starting with what I see. And so I couldn't believe how much I was consenting to and seeking out images that were really not only unrealistic, but also harmful to me. So even just asking myself, like a lot of this, I can't help. Like a lot of it, I can't help, but man, a lot of it I'm, I'm kind of going for, you know, a lot of it, I'm like curiously looking on people.com because I'm curious. And so number one, I said, okay, I have to detox what I see. And for me, this isn't like unfollow people who make you feel jealous because I think like jealousy is a heart issue. I want to work on that. I want to bless other people. I want other people to want good things. But I would say I was really cautious about continually following people who I felt like what they were, what they were putting forth into the world was maybe not realistic or honest, you know? So first I had to detox what I see. Then I had to kind of detox what I see in my life. So this was as small as taking the jeans that don't fit out of my closet. Mm, the jeans that I had wow. kept since oh, I had my I first can't. baby. The, the ones that are dusty, <laughs> yes. the dusty ones on the bottom of the pile. Yes. I don't know what you mean. This is a real life story for me too. Yeah. I mean, I had jeans from 2007 that I have, I've, I moved 10 times in nine years. And I took jeans with me through 10 different moves. I mean, I paid God's money to ship those jeans across the United States. That's an issue. They were from 2007. Nobody had business wearing them. And so as I started to detox what I saw, I was like, okay, well, it's not going to be these people on Instagram anymore, but also it's not going to be those jeans in my closet. Oh yeah. That's so good. For me, it was, it, it happened to be filters for myself because I realized that I, I wasn't liking my pure face anymore. So I was like, I don't want to see that anymore. I want to, I want to see this face with, with all her stuff. So I had to detox what I saw. Number two, I had to detox what I heard. So I had to really not only remove the things that I was saying that were harmful. I had to learn how to remove myself from conversations with people that were harmful about, about their bodies and about my body. Mm-hmm. Can you t- talk about what those boundaries look like for you, how you put them into yeah. place? Yeah, absolutely. Number one, I think, I think we all, we all know the like very hard end of this, that like there are really damaging and heavy things and people who have heard us that we need to say like, this is no longer a healthy relationship for me. But I find that for a lot of us, that's the exception to the rule. And it's more people that like, just like mean well, and don't know the right thing they only know what they know. So number one, I learned I could just literally walk away from a conversation, not, not be screwed. Like, Oh, I'll be, I'll be back. <laughs> <Sometimes>. <laughs> just walk off. Sometimes that's appropriate. Sometimes I would use the phrase. That's interesting. That's interesting. I found that like the phrase that's interesting was this bubble between us where I could just, I could just put it back and realize like, this isn't about me. Maybe it's not even about you. It's just about culture. That's interesting that you would say that about my body. That's interesting that you would say that about your body. And then sometimes I would just use the full blown, like, Hey, I love you. I actually trust you about so many things. My body is off limits for you to talk about in any way, shape or form, even if you're complimenting it. I love you. And I love that you, that you want good for me in that way. I just, I have a a deep history with my body and, and, and that particular thing you say is like not helpful for me. And then again, full blown hard end of the, of the conversation of people that I'm like, Oh, I I am no longer going to consent to be in relationship with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. As equally as we struggle sometimes with our bodies, we struggle with with boundaries. I'm so interested right now in elevating and celebrating good things. So community, I'd like to introduce you to ABLE. If you're not familiar with ABLE, they are an ethical fashion brand that employs and empowers women as a solution to end poverty. (laughs) Love. 
They're deeply devoted also to quality, both in the products they make and in the quality of life they aim to provide. So they invest in, train, and educate women so they can earn a living, break the cycle of poverty, and thrive. And would you believe it all started with scarves for them? In Ethiopia, they met women coming out of the commercial sex industry who asked for help finding jobs. So they trained them to make scarves. And after selling over 4,000 of them in two months, they knew they were onto something. And now Abel has grown from hand-woven scarves to a whole lifestyle brand with leather bags and clothes, shoes, jewelry, and more. I have so much of their stuff that I wear on constant rotation. I cannot say enough good things about Able. Truly, come check them out for the cause and their incredible business practices and stay for the fashion. You can get 20% off site-wide with my code 20GIN at livefashionable.com. So that's 20GIN at livefashionable.com. Great stories are powerful, right? That's why I love this podcast. We get to hear people from all walks of life talking about their obstacles and their wins. And you know another place we get to do that? The Gin Hatmaker Book Club. And I want you to join today because if you love this podcast, you're going to love the book club. Here's the deal. Each month, we'll dive into a fantastic book. And we read all kinds of stuff, fiction, memoirs, self-help, all of it. Every single book is something I have read and loved. And I just know you will too. After you sign up every month, I'll send you a box with the book and other fun treats. Plus your membership comes with a whole slew of perks. You get resources like reading plans, weekly summaries, discussion questions. Plus you get tons of exclusive community stuff. You get access to our private Facebook group where you can connect with me and all your fellow members. And there's a monthly Facebook live chat session with me and sometimes some surprise guests. Sometimes I pop into the Zoom meetings of our local chapters, which is always delightful. Plus, we do some cool stuff with the book's author. They curate these awesome Spotify playlists just for us. Plus, I record a podcast with the author or another special guest, and we talk about the book. It is an incredible way to cap it all off. And you know what makes a book club great? The people. This community is the kindest, most supportive group you can possibly imagine. So sign up today at jenhatmakerbookclub.com. We are here waiting to welcome you into the sisterhood with open arms. So join us at jenhatmakerbookclub.com today. Okay, back to our show. I grew up with a overt sense. It wasn't even subtle. A very overt sense based on what I was told and taught that my body was just super shameful. Like, you know, it was trouble up in here and it was trouble for the boys and the boys problem were our problem. And I mean, if we had a stray spaghetti strap we're going to hell and I mean, the whole mechanism was going to burn down. You know what I mean? And so this sense of like sexual shame that it was so entrenched And then of course it's supposed to just automatically reverse upon wedding vows, like a record scratch. Right. Right. You're supposed to somehow like know all the things and be comfortable with everything. Comfortable. Spicy. That piece of the story, in addition to just how our bodies look, you know, that piece of the story has in my own personal life and in the lives of tons of women that you and I both lead and love caused such harm, like harm that is so hard to reverse. The work of it is maybe a lifetime. Can you talk a little bit about that piece of the story and what you've learned and what, what you see and what you, how you instruct women who are wanting to be free in that way too? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, 
I think you're right. I think it takes going back. I think it, I think it takes a lot of going back and asking, okay, with what we know about God, with what we know about his character, his kindness, his goodness, where do we think he was in those conversations? That's been very helpful to me. You know, what, what was his heart in this? Who was he compassionate towards? Most always I find, I, I perceive, I believe he was really compassionate toward me, toward the person being told, um, some damning, negative, shaming, harmful things about their body. I think about like asking him really directly, like, what do you think about my body? What do you, what do you say about it? What do you, what did you say it's for? This is it because it's the four piece that I think trips up a lot of Christian women because we've been taught it, that it's an instrument. If I hear that again, I don't even know. Same. We don't even know. <laughs> Just we watch don't. out rather than like a treasured place where where the spirit of God dwells and, and therefore is worthy and valuable and, 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 and a body that can experience desire and can be rested. And so I don't know, I don't have an easy, like one, two, three, but I think it would be hurtful to pretend like it is, but I think we get to go back and, and hold that pain with him and say, what do you think about this? And even you, you know, this, we know this to know for me, a part of the healing has been to, to forgive them, to say like, I don't have to consent to be in a relationship with you. I would not retweet anything you say. And yet I think that you were working with information that you had at the time. I think that you yourself were also misled. You are not the enemy of my life. You are not the enemy of my soul. You weren't the one who started this campaign. You're not the one who's going to end it. And so to even to, for part of my healing to be like, just say like, I forgive you. I forgive you. I'm going to, I'm going to try to forgive you, but then right to ask God right now, what do you, what do you want what do you say for me? What do you think about me? What do you think about me? I just, I happen to think Holy Spirit's a really good communicator, whatever that looks like for different people. I think it just gets to be really different, but I trust the voice of God, the spirit of God to tell people, this is what I think about you. This is what I, this is what I treasure about you. And then I think part of the healing, truly, I believe this. I think part of the healing is being a part of the solution and I had a conversation with someone the other day who said, it's just interesting to me that you don't need to do more processing or you don't need to talk about it. And I was like, well, number one, I mean, part of the healing process for me was knowing I was complicit in it. I was complicit in that culture. I didn't, I didn't just receive it. I co-signed on it. Y'all I lived a year of my life in South Carolina where I only wore long sleeves. <sighs> yes. I mean, yes. that's, Number one, sweaty. Number two, sad. Number three, like I, I co-signed. And so I, I need the forgiveness of, of where I was complicit in it. But I think so much of the healing has come from being a part of the solution and getting to see like young gals, old gals and saying to them, like, your body is good. God loves it. That, that desire for rest, that's good. We want to give it rest like that. Those different desires that he's given you, like he made that body. It's good. It's beautiful. Let's feed it. Let's nurture it. Let's give it what it needs. Let's honor it. Let's value it. Let's treat it like it's good instead of trying to make it good. Yes. I love that. I love that. I love that. This has been a lot of my personal work in the last handful of years as a pretty fairly brand new idea to me. I also, even as a woman in sort of Christian subculture, Bodies just wasn't, it just wasn't a thing we talked about. We, we talked about our minds. We talked about our, our souls and we talked about eternity, but we didn't really talk about our bodies very much. I didn't, I don't remember hearing anybody tell me that message. And so learning it, it's pretty revolutionary, really like for me, this process of becoming, of realizing that my body is good and God made it that way. And it is a partner in this life, an invaluable partner in the good life is it's changed so much for me because I am now aware of how many times my body is on is team Jen, like telling me something important, right? Like sounding an alarm that needs to be sounded or even recently, like 
throwing on the physical breaks because I was so over the limit of what I could endure, but determined to pretend I wasn't. My body was like, we're done. Since you're not going to make this decision, we're going to make it for you. Go to the doctor. But normally, I think maybe five years ago, even I would have experienced that as betrayal. Like my body betraying my sharp, capable, smart mind, right? And instead I was like, oh, that was my body taking care of this life. And so I find like this conversation that you and I are having, there is a lot on the other side of body freedom that is beautiful. For me, unexperienced, I'd like to hear you say, what are some, because I know that some women are listening going, uh, it feels impossible. I, I can't, I'm in such war with my own body. I, we are enemies, mortal enemies. I feel betrayed by my body or somebody else harmed me in my body. And that kind of trauma I can't separate from. I would love for you to talk about why this is worth it. Like this work, what it is like to live in body freedom, which again, it's a rare and beautiful way to live. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much deeper. That's the question because it's so much deeper than I think I I knew going in. I think I hoped I'd feel like at, at peace with myself, or I think I hoped I'd like my body and right. What we found on the other end is like real love, which you and I know is so much messier and deeper. It's it, it is that weakness and strength. It's, it's seeing like, oh, this body can right, actually experience pain and weakness. It can experience sickness. It can have been harmed and it can still be good. It's not wedding vow love. It's not saying like, you're the best. You're, you're great. It's like, you actually are like a lot to handle sometimes. And you're not always what I thought you'd be. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you're still good. And you're still there. I trust you in a deeper way. I trust you in a deeper way because it's not that you're never going to let me down. And it's not that you're going to do what I want you to do all the time. And it's not that you're going to perform. And it's definitely not that you're going to make other people happy. So to feel all those things, to feel that kind of deeper, messier love and trust and hope, but also I'll tell you something else, because I know, I know how you feel about women and I just love women. I mean, men are great too, but like I love women and I just like, it makes me love them more. I think it's helped me trust other women more. I love that. You know? Yes. To look at them and say like, I don't know your whole deal. I don't know what you're working with, but you are magnificent. And not because you make anybody happy and not because you check any boxes and not because you are a certain size, but just because you're in there and your flesh showing up. Oh, I just, I know you've got daughters. I think about my daughter and I'm like, I love your body. I love your body. If anybody's wondering, is she the weirdo who now tells women that she loves their body? I am. I am. First in line. (laughs) I'm Um, here to make you feel weird. I'm here to make you uncomfortable. Put my hands on you and say in a very life-giving way, like, oh, your body's good. I thank you for showing up. I bless you for showing up. I I thank you for being here. You make us better. You make us better. You make us more whole. Yeah. So I I feel like a deep, wild, messy love for my body. I feel a trust for her that I didn't feel before. It's made me love women more. And truly it's made me love God more. It really has. I mean, it's made me like understand his compassion and his goodness. It's made me understand the gospel in a way that I feel like I didn't before where just as we can have this kind of like shallow, tidy understanding of our bodies and our worth in Christian culture, I think we can have that same thing of God of you're going to give me what I want. You're the genie in the bottle. And instead to, to understand the gospel and the messiness of I'm not enough and he's still good. And, and he, and he's not expecting things from me the way people are. And he knew me before anybody else did. And, and even to, to imagine him making me and being so pleased with it to imagine him making me and being so pleased with it. You know, I used to read those passages in Genesis about creation and I would think about God the way I thought about myself. My daughter, my oldest daughter is 21 
And so the cultural reversal that she has experienced as a teenager, as a young adult is profound, profoundly different than what you and I experienced. When I hear her and her friends talk about their bodies, when I hear that it's different, it is different. There is a freedom already getting baked in to their messaging and into their perception of how they were created and what for and with such goodness and intention. And so I feel like we're on the road here. I do. I, I, I feel like the train has left the station and we're like chugging down the road, but we just have to keep banging this drum. And you are, your book is called breaking free from body shame. And I think it's going to set a lot of people free. And I am proud of you for, for leading well here and for being who you are in this conversation, the language that you choose, the words that you choose, the way in which you love and serve women, it all matters. It all is a part of that mix. And I think it's going to be really powerful. Jess, are you nervous about it at all? Or do you feel like it's time? I feel like it's time. And you know what? I just really do want to say this. So honestly, like I want I want to honor you and and the work that you've done because I was thinking about it this morning. I was thinking how beautiful it's been to watch you be a woman who listens to God and also allows your mind to be changed. And that's what we need to happen for so many of us about our bodies. And you've just you've led really well in that and and I have always been watching you and paying attention to you as you do this. And so I'm sure there's a million things I should be nervous about, but I'm more excited than I am nervous. It's no secret that 2020 won't win any prizes in my book, but there's something I absolutely love that came from last year. I released my first ever merchandise line. And it was all sort of in honor of my book, Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire, which came out last April. Listen, it's small but mighty, but I bet you've seen some of it. We started with fierce hats and face masks, of course, and coffee mugs. Then we moved to hats, mugs, and shirts for the word free, specifically, super on the nose. And there's one really special item for me in the Gin Hatmaker Merge Collection. We have elephant coasters that say this, there is no community like a community of women. So here's the thing about elephants. You've heard me say this out in the wild. When a female elephant is vulnerable, she's either giving birth or she is injured. Her fellow female elephants, her sisters get in formation and surround her and protect her. Talk about the definition of fierce. I'll tell you that I lived that elephant story over and over and over again in this last year. Thanks to my family, my friends, all of you. This is what we do, girls. When our sisters are vulnerable, when they are giving birth to new life or new ideas or new spaces, when they need their people to surround them so they can heal or recover, we get information. We close ranks and literally have each other's backs. This is how we show each other that we are fierce, free, and full of fire. So right now, you can find the elephant coasters and all the other fierce and free items at jenhatmaker.com slash shop. And hey, look alive. You can save 20% off the entire site with the code for the love. Yay. These are just beautiful words that held me last year, and I hope they hold you too. So one more time, that's jenhatmaker.com slash shop to save 20% today. Use the code for the love. All right, back to our show, guys. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that we're asking all of our guests in the transition series. Besides what you've spoken of, can you just tell us quickly about a transition in your life, either one that you chose or one that chose you, which those happen to, and what you learned in the process. Hmm. You know, my most honest answer is that I've, I'm thinking a lot. I just happen to be thinking a lot right now about this transition out of the pandemic. Mm, right. Great answer. <laughs> no, it's honestly, We're honestly, it. it's weird. Yeah. And I think coming out of it has interestingly been more difficult for me than 
the going into it. I don't know. I'm a, I don't know something about going in. I was like, let's rally, let's go. I can do this. I can do hard things. And now they're coming out of it. And, and to me, I've been thinking about it a lot in the parallel of body freedom, like coming back into the freedom of seeing people and being around people and being around myself, around other people. That makes sense to anyone else. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about that and what I'm, what I'm learning from that. And I think personally, I just became a really condensed version of myself during the pandemic. You know, it was like the full on paint color, not diluted at all. (laughs) And then you get around people and you're like, oh, I am a lot of that color. I'm a lot of that. And so there are just new layers of appreciation. I think new layers of wanting to see other people, their full undiluted selves too. So I've been thinking on that a lot. I know exactly what you mean. Like I'm coming out hot, coming out hot out of the gates. And so I don't know what it's going to look like for other people, but we need to be really thinking and praying for them. Okay. This question, how do you generally feel about change? I hate change. <laughs> it's either <laughs> one or the other. There really is no middle here. No, it's I love, some people love it, you know, change. You it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to use the same coffee mug for the rest of my life, every day for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's my version. My Enneagram, I'm an eight wing seven. The seven really doesn't come out at all, except for that. I don't like pain. I think that's the only part of the seven that I got. And not that free spirited, like woo, 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 whatever no. seven energy. I don't have a spontaneous bone in my body. Not in the slightest. I plan my outfits for the week even when they're yoga pants, you know what I'm saying? That's my vibe. So I do not like change. Mm-hmm. So you have to get drug. You got to get drug to it. I have to get drug to change. I feel like I'm, I'm good if I can see it coming and if I can process it a little bit, I'm a, I'm what my mom calls a pre-griever. She told me this when I was very young, I'm a pre-griever. This is like an aside. My sister is about to go through this beautiful, wonderful experience. I won't even out her. It's it's no big deal. Beautiful, wonderful experience she's about to have. And everybody else in America was like, that's great. That's a great thing you're about to have. And I was like, have you thought about how it's going to be? Have you thought about it? Are you thinking about it? What are you going to wear? What are you going to do? <laughs> like, great things. Awesome things. I, I pre-grieve. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that gave me a real chuckle. I have cried the first day of every vacation I've ever gone on. Oh, so you're serious here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. not a just joke. in case it doesn't meet your expectations. Oh, no, just cause it's different. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond my expectations. Um, it's just different. It's not my coffee mug. It's not my robe. It's not my blue chair by the window. I don't love this about myself, but that's what it is. (laughs) I love this. I love this information that I now know about you. Okay. And here's the last one. And you know, it it's from Barbara Brown Taylor. What for you right now is say, what's your saving your life right now? Yeah. Therapy and my porch. So much saying. I don't. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Period. (laughs) It's just like a period at the end of the sentence. Like, yeah, it's kind of, that's one of those. If you know, you know, if you know therapy, you know, if you know a porch, you know, it can't be improved upon. I gave myself permission yesterday because again, I think I told, I told you earlier, my body's like, it's just running it up the flagpole right now. And I was like, okay, my task list is this long as is yours always every day of my life, seven days a week. I'm like, I'm going to lay on my porch swing. I'm going to give myself one hour. I did set an alarm. I'm a three. Mm. Um, I'm an Enneagram three. I set an alarm. I gave myself a time (laughs) limit. I gave myself a time limit to be off the clock. I love you. (laughs) And I had already organized all my file folders that morning. So I had been productive, but I'm like the porch, the porch does a thing that I it's, it's greater than the sum of its parts. So thank you for saying both, both porch and therapy. I'm just going to like therapist, take my money, just take it take all my money. I just love you. And I'm so happy that you're in the world. I'm so happy that you serve with such joy and compassion and just faithfulness. It's just wonderful to watch, to witness, to be on the other end of it. I'm really, really excited about your new book and I will, everybody listening will have links to all of it, all the 
they can get anywhere books are sold, right, Jess? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Anything else about that, where they can find you, coaching, all of it. Can you just give a quick little? Yeah. JessConnelly.com. Jess A. Connolly on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Again, we'll have all that for you guys. Thanks for being on today. Thank you. Love you. Can't wait so to be grateful. in another room. We can talk about cooking or not. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Love you too. I hope that that conversation was as powerful for you as it was for me. This is huge to me right now. It's just huge to me. And so I'm sorry that I'm constantly talking about this, but I just, what I'm, the freedom that I'm beginning to feel inside my own body is Uh, It's like profoundly new. I'm 46 years old and I want you to have it too. I want us to make peace. I want us to do more than make peace, more than just declare a ceasefire, right? With our bodies, but rather become allies, like partners. It's just this sense of loving who we are and how we've been made anyway. So if you go to jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, I'll have all the show notes from this episode and everything Jess Connolly related. I'll have links to her book and her previous books. I'll have links to her socials so that you can follow her everywhere. And I'll have links to her website if you're interested in hearing more from her as a coach. And so you can find it all there, one-stop shop. Let's keep talking about this. Let's keep our hand to the plow here, if you will. Let's keep our foot on the gas. I'll mix a metaphor if I want to. And continue to insist that a better story exists for us. It exists for our daughters. It definitely exists for our granddaughters. And I think the more of us that say, this is the story I'm going to write when it comes to my body and the way that I feel about my body and the way that I talk about my body, it's powerful. Alone, we can do a lot of transformation in our own personal lives, but together we can really start chipping away at this mountain. So I'm excited to do that with you and for you. Okay, everybody, that's it. More to come. Keep coming back. This, I'm just telling you, the transition series is for all of us right now, moving from one thing to another, being willing to consider something new, having, being forced to have to consider something new either way. Here we are. So come back. And I think that you'll find our guests in this series are incredible instructors and leaders and guides as we transition. All right, guys, see you next week.